Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Keenan and Kel with Adam and Aaron. A very special episode this week. I'm Adam. And I'm Aaron. And we have a special guest with us. <laughs> one of the esteemed producers oh, from season one of Keenan and Kel. I don't know if you want to say all that. <laughs> <laughs> Her name is Mary Elizabeth Dudley, and she is joining us on this podcast episode. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. I'm kind of excited to talk about this. Yeah, and, uh, your involvement wasn't just in Keenan and Kel, but a lot of classic 90s productions that I'm sure our listeners oh, are familiar with. Yeah, I, I worked on so many things. I actually got my start on Nick Arcade, believe it or not. Hey, wow. Um, yeah, so that was really exciting. Yeah, my first show was Nick Arcade, <laughs> and I worked on Guts. And I mean, I started off as an audience PA, so all those kids down at Nickelodeon Studios Florida, I had to bring them in, make sure they were clapping. <laughs> take them to the bathroom, you know, the whole bit. <laughs> so it was fun. You know, again, that was my first foray into the Nickelodeon world down there in Orlando, Florida. So I, I really started just like everybody else when they say, you know, how do you be a producer? You start as a PA, learn it all. You really, you really have to do that. And I was lucky enough to do that. So I worked on that and everything from that to Gullah Gullah Island and Shelby Woo. And uh, then I worked on My Brother and Me, which I definitely want to make sure we kind of throw in there because that has a lot to do with with what Keenan and Kel became for me as well. So, yeah, really fun stuff. And that's great. So it's a really rich tapestry of different different shows and productions. I was lucky. I was very lucky. Yeah. And we all had so much fun. We, you know, it was like um, Big Fish, Small Pond when you were in Orlando versus being out in L.A. Oh, yeah, sure. And that was a whole that was a whole different environment and community down there at the time, right? Completely different. It was, I mean, truly one of the best times in my life, professional life, as many wow. professions that I've had. <laughs> but um, it's amazing because if you would talk to anybody that worked at that time at Nickelodeon Studios Florida you would know it was a whole different feeling. It really was. It was It was something special. No question. Well, this is exactly the kind of stuff that we kind of want to tap into, Mary. And this is why we're excited to have you on because Adam and I, so Adam is is a little bit more of the millennial. I'm a little bit, I'm like a zillennial. I'm, I was born in 97. So okay. I'm kind of, uh, I, I'm, I've been a fan of early Nick from a distance you could say. Um, I didn't grow up with it as much as Adam. And I think Adam is still kind of the same. But the influences of the early 90s Nick have really, I would say, fundamentally shaped like how we spent our childhood. You know, like we watched Nickelodeon all the time. And that, you know, what Nickelodeon became was based off of, you know, initially, like what happened in those early years. And I'm sure, you know, it changed a lot. But we want to get that like, you know, what did you like about it? What did you, all that stuff. So that's why we're really excited to have you on this, Aww. on this episode. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to gush about it. For me, it was, again, it was something special. It was my first professional job in uh, the television industry, actually. Was it Nickelodeon? Completely. So yeah, it was great. That's very cool. So we're not crazy savvy about the roles and responsibilities. <laughs> 
of it. I, production assistant is you, you said the, that first role, and it's a lot of working with the working with the kids in the audience. Well, yeah, audience PA. Yeah, it was audience PA. So yeah, you're literally because you know we were obviously you know we were on a theme park set. So you really were going out and pulling people out of the park, but not really pulling because everybody wanted to be on the show. Let's face it. (laughs) That was the best part about it. You everybody wanted to be on the shows. And if you were going to Universal Studios, Florida, you knew you could possibly be on one of the shows. And that was what made it so interesting and so real, to be honest with you. Um, And you could do the back, you know, the the tour where you could see like the control room and walk back there. So it was really, it was, it really was a whole different experience. But yeah, so I, you know, my responsibility again was, you know, get those kids with their parents, obviously, not just a kid, but right. a kid. Sure. <laughs> snatching children out of a park. Um, hey, come in this dark room. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Let me just be very clear. Um, but yeah, yeah, getting kids coming in, you know, making sure everybody was seated. The whole thing where you see people, you know, clapping, you know, where you do that and making sure everybody was safe, getting them in, getting them out. So literally just like, you know, even though I got to be, you know, producers and all that, you you can't do any of it without everybody. So that's why it was always so important to me um, when I would talk to anybody, you know, you try every role because if you don't know what everybody does, you can't really produce very well, to be honest with you. No, of course. You don't know what everybody has to do. So, yeah, I was lucky and I got to really start, you know, start at the, I don't, I don't hate to, I hate to say the bottom, but just, you know, really that kind of entry point, I'll say. It is. It's almost like the intern role a little yes. bit, right? And so, and yes. as I'm like beginning my professional career, I, I have the assistant odd man, you know, odd job man, right? Yeah. And so I'm doing everything, but I'm also learning about everybody and how the system works. And so that seems like a similar thing, except from the production side. It is. It really is. And like I say, MPAs, there are different types of PAs, but I again I say audience because that was the focus of what I had to do, and again on Nick Arcade and then on Guts, and then <laughs> my next job became uh, I was a uh, Mark Summers assistant from Double Dare. No family Double Dare. Wait, wait, no way. So, <laughs> <laughs> and Mark Summers is a is a game show legend from from Nick era. Okay, so I, I will say this, and now that it, you know this will be. <laughs> you know, forever in the the airways, it changed my life, literally. It changed my life professionally because he would let me sit in on almost every aspect. And that was, I, that generosity really made me learn so much more ahead of time, I'm sure, than I would have any, any other way. I'd sit down on editing. Wow. I mean, that's like, come on. I mean, seriously. (laughs) Um, And so I really saw every stage of what production was um, through his generosity and his being so kind. And unfortunately, I gained a brother I didn't want. That's what I call him. (laughs) I have a brother I don't want. (laughs) So as I joke, but uh, he is truly like my big brother now. But I, I started as his assistant. So in that process, kind of sampling and going around all the different, uh, like, you know, career paths and opportunities, are there any that like stood out to you and you're like, I want to do that next? Yes. Um, actually, to be honest with you, the fact that I got to do so much and see so much with Double Dare as you know, because he was hosting and producing. Mm-hmm. So that's why I got to kind of be, you know, be able to sit in on so much. I think I knew producing was my thing. And I, the other person I'm going to mention is Angie Bartenbach, and you'll see her name on a lot of Nickelodeon. I mean, she was there when Nickelodeon started in um, Philly. 
she was my mentor. She taught me everything I know. I'm going to say that with no holds barred. And, you know, I do a lot of assistant producing with her and she let me learn so much because I paid attention to it. And she was the producer on Double Dare because she came, you know, with them from being up, up north. I realized that's kind of what I wanted to do was produce. Wow. Yeah. And I will say, you know, I say it was my first professional job. (laughs) I'm going to tell you the real thing. And this will be bizarre. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. (laughs) My my real job, I, I have a degree in industrial design. I became a toy designer. And I was a toy designer mm-hmm. for many years. And I was very lucky that I literally went from associate designer to running a whole like division pretty quick. And I kept going, well, what else do I want to do? So I love watching TV. How do I get paid for watching TV? <laughs> <laughs> and I was working for a play school at the time. And I went to the local cable channel in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, and learn cable TV for free. I'd go to work in the daytime and after work and on the weekends, I'd work at this little lonely uh, cable TV station when you had that bad local cable. <laughs> um, that was the best it, local it, cable. It, it, and it, taught, it really is. And I know it seems kind of silly, but it really is where I got my my training wheels. <laughs> Um, there and Phyllis McHale, I'm going to do a shout out to her. She was the, the head of it and taught me a lot. And I quit toy design to try to get into the TV business and move to Orlando with no job and a reel of really bad, <laughs> bad local cable stuff. I did. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I look at it now. I'm like, really? Um, but I got lucky. Um, I got hired, like I said, on Nick Arcade, James Bethea, um, Abby Ginsberg, they're the ones I'm throwing out as many names as I can <laughs> Sure. Uh, of people that really changed my life. And that's the reason I got into it. But the producing side, even back in the cable days, I knew I loved being a part of the, that team that kind of ran it. So that's why I say that. Even then, I knew producing was what I enjoyed. I was lucky I got to do stage managing, uh, assistant directing, a little bit of writing. So I did get to do a little bit of everything. I mean, I was the stage manager for Goa. And so it was fun. But once I kind of worked my way up and started doing more of the associate producing with Angie being supervising producer, I knew that's what I wanted to do was producing. That's so fantastic. And uh, it, I think like this actually is a, is a great kind of segue. So it seems like you dipped your toes in everything, <laughs> like every part of producing a sitcom in the 90s uh, or just a TV show in general. And so, Adam, I think we have some like you know, some more specific things we wanted to ask you about um, the actual like production of these shows. And yeah. of course, Keenan and Kel specifically. Um, and so Adam, I don't know if you wanted to kind of jump in and ask Mary some of these questions that have always, always been, you know, itching at her. Like, how did that work? Right. <laughs> okay. So. I'll try and remember. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's been a long time. It's been tw- That's okay. 25 years. That's how we, we got in contact. Yeah. Yeah. Which is mind blowing since. Yeah. So it was a 1996 season one of Keenan and Kel. How did the uh, Keenan and Kel show differ? Because it was a T te- it was very, it was a whole TV sitcom versus some of like the other like game show or type stuff. Well, you know, I mean, Nickelodeon had done that before, like, hi, honey, I'm home and Clarissa. So they knew, I mean, we did that. So it really wasn't that different. You know, we'd have sets for, you know, that week's show, live audience. We'd obviously tape beforehand and then we do a live audience run as well. Mm. Uh, then we'd have swing sets based on episodes. So we'd build 
for the next ones and, you know, be ahead of it, um, doing it that way. But, you know, the teams down there knew how to do it. Yeah, it wasn't new territory for them. No, 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 no. You know, and even all that. Oh, yeah. From where the guys came from. Yeah, that, yeah, that they were even doing, you know, above and beyond with um, musical numbers and almost like mini concerts. So, I mean, they it was that way. But, you know, it was pretty much basic sitcom. You would, you know, you had your main sets. We'd build our swings as needed for, you know, each, each uh, storyline. And... Uh, just run multi-camera and and the live audience again that was something that was i mean that and kids again let me just emphasize kids and the live audience it really was your true audience was there that, that is awesome the the part that i i'm gonna ask you to elaborate on is the the dry runs and the live recordings like what's um <laughs> because we we need to know we only see the finished product and you we're know, like you, you know <laughs> Like, there's no way they just were on. Like, how did this work, right? You know, actually, honestly, and I'm going to say this too, you know, because the guys were so young then, you know, they're grown men now. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) But they were so good at what they did. Actually, everybody was. But obviously, this was their show. It was on their shoulders. They were so good about it. They knew what they had to do. They knew their script. They knew what was, you know, they knew what they had to do with the director. The directors were amazing. Oh, yeah. The dry runs were funny, but, you know, because so much of that was kind of them, it would always be a little different each take. The dry versus the, I mean, obviously, like anything else, a dry run versus the live audience. I mean, the live audience, you're just feeding off of it, obviously, and it just gives you much more energy and the freedom to probably push it even more. We wouldn't try and do too many extremely late nights. I can't remember having too many horribly late, late, late <laughs> nights, um, although you always, you know, you do. Um, but they were great. I mean, they were true comedic actors doing great improv scripted improv i guess is a way to put it because they gave it great energy every time even with the, the dry runs the you know because we would still tape those for sure um and then sometimes we taped some segments too based on sets if we couldn't get them or if they were hidden sometimes from what the audience could see hmm. so, i mean you sometimes would have to do that depending on what it is but they were amazing I mean, it, they they were always funny, always funny. I was thinking about today one of the ones, and I know everybody in orange soda. Yeah, I get it. Um, <laughs> but the screw and the tuna to me was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen in my life. That screw and the tuna had me, had me rolling. I mean, it was, and Kel just, I was like, what was happening? <laughs> I mean, because you knew that wasn't scripted. Like, you know that. Come on. Yeah, no. That was him. That was him. That was hilarious. So, that, I mean, that is one of the most iconic Keenan and Kel moments, but also like Nickelodeon moments. You know, it's like, yeah. you pull up, you mentioned the screw in the tuna. People know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's so well done. And that almost like established Kel as this just yeah. ridiculously hilarious actor yeah and i think and again i i I, I didn't work on all that so i didn't know the guys before this you know they were down the hall so we were all in the same building but i didn't work on the show so obviously i they they were obviously talented (laughs) enough to get their own show so they had the chemistry they had the ability to do sketch comedy but again carrying a show is a different thing um and they did it like i said so well they really really did even back then at their age yeah you can tell they're just the inherent talent is what really got that the show kicked off and started and and i would say i'm gonna um 
I know everybody talks about, again, the, the screw the tuna, all the, the things that happen. For me, my favorite moments were in front of the curtain, the, the opening and closing. Yes, right. Because that's a, it's not a stage production then. It's literally, it's Keenan and Kel and the audience. There's nothing, yes. nothing between them anymore. Exactly. And to me, those were my favorite moments, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they, they're very unique to Keenan and Kel because it almost like brings in this old timey, you know, like, you know, just kind of like stage actors, right? They'd go up there in front of the curtain and it bookended the episode in such a unique way that like wasn't typical of sitcoms. At least I don't know if it was at that time. Um, it always stands out to me. And uh, and we, we love we love those opening and closing scenes. They are the best. <laughs> so tell me about uh, a little bit more about those live recordings that uh, we, we love the scenes of them coming out on stage and at the end of stage. Was like a live recording a whole episode? Was it a couple key scenes? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It was usually the whole episode. Like I say, the only thing you wouldn't do sometimes is if, you know, there were sort of some sets that were hard to get to or longer scenes or something. But you were pretty much doing a full run the best you could. As chronological kind of... Pretty much. Yeah, it was. It would, you know, obviously like everything else, it would kind of depend, but pretty much. It was fun. That's for sure. And that, that's awesome. Was it like a, a rate of an episode a week? Is it like several in a row? I, listen, you're making me trying to remember. <laughs> I don't think we did more than one a week. Okay. There was just no way. We have to build sets. So the mm. whole week was preparation for that final live oh, show? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, cause you know you're oh. doing, you're, you're planning the week ahead for the next script. Well, obviously you had plenty of scripts ahead. <laughs> And then you'd have, you know, other new directors sometimes. So, you know, they've got to come in and, and work with them, too. So, yeah, you're not doing more than one a week. Um, and again, you got to tear down sets and build sets and dress sets. So, yeah, you're not doing more than one a week. Yeah, it wasn't like the game show stuff. Right. Yeah, game show, we could do two or three a day or four a day, depending on what it right. was. Because you're just resetting. That's a different world. Yeah. I heard a couple of those. It's like, you know, you'll film one event and do runs and runs and runs of them <laughs> circling out kids like double dare you wouldn't obviously you did the whole show but you could do three or four shows a day with double dare because you're just resetting but uh no with, with Keenan and Kel it would be one per week and you'd have the whole beginning of the week to prep and like I say you got to do build and everything and and work with the you know table reads and and doing all your um, blocking and everything, and so then your camera run and everything. So you you needed that whole week to get ready. Yeah. You you mentioned uh, the scripts that could get generated. Was there a, a writer's room that was cranking those out like a little ahead of everyone else? Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, I really didn't uh, work so much with them as much because my produce producing was really getting the show you know day to day ready and going. So I didn't have to do too much of that. But yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, they were working on scripts. <laughs> probably they had the whole season probably before we even started, if you know, if not just at least outlines. So because that's how we did other things, because you'd have outlines of scripts long before. So because you need to know what you're buying for. Yeah. And what you're budgeting <laughs> for when it came to sets and everything else and what could be done and what couldn't be done for sure. So yeah, you're, you're prepping pretty far in advance. <laughs> you know, all this production behind Keenan and Kel, the other show that, that we mentioned, it was uh, My Brother and Me. Yes. So that, that show, again, was just groundbreaking for me. Pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, that was the first time that they had um, a black family lead, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think that's still correct. I don't remember if we had Gullah then or not. 
but uh and that thing and it, but that included all the creatives as well so it was it was an amazing experience for me to do that and it was it was a great show we had a fun time doing that show let me tell you that was that was great i'm sorry we only got one season out of that yeah it's it's a real crime yeah it is and some of the people that were on it and you know i was like i look back you know i like amanda seals i look i was like oh my god really (laughs) (laughs) amanda was on that (laughs) when she was a little girl uh, like Vanessa on Keenan and Kel, I look at that and I'm like, oh my gosh, right. you know, I just look at these kids and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> they're like, again, they're grown people. I hate that. <laughs> but yeah, pretty, pretty amazing, talented people we worked with, with back then, for sure. Uh, speaking of uh, Vanessa, you worked on her across those two different shows, right? Yeah, which was kind of cool that <laughs> I got to work with her to, to, to do that. And she, you know, obviously she is another um, amazingly talented writer uh, right now doing a lot of writing uh, in in the business. And um, I saw her years later in L.A. when I lived in L.A. Uh, doing a play, which she uh, produced. She's had a, an amazing and I don't know if it's still on, but a, a show on YouTube mm-hmm. with uh, Issa Rae that she did. Um, she's she had such a talented young lady. But again, at such a kid when I first saw it. Like, what oh, is happening? Uh, how is she a grown-up with kids? Um, so could I ask you a question? Oh, yeah, happily. Why do you love Keenan and Kel so much? What makes you love the show so much? Oh, it's it's got a... So Keenan and Kel is a real uh, special part to, like, my uh, you know own history. Uh-huh. It was the show that was always on, like, I think five to six was the block that I grew up on, reruns, mm-hmm. when we were supposed to be having dinner. It, it really shaped my comedic senses. Wow. Yeah, I, I I felt that that personally, like, you know, just the the jokes that I that I heard from both Keenan and Kel, like Keenan's snarky sarcasm and Kel's kind of outrageousness. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, that, that's something that really just left a big impression on me. And so much so that, you know, high school age i was like looking back on it and i'm like i gotta i gotta get a hold of that show so i obtained some bootleg dvds i saw that i have <laughs> listened to this i can't believe you did that i love yep. that yeah no it was it was the best 40 dollars ever spent <laughs> from a site that is no longer functional yeah. <laughs> it could no longer trace yeah yeah but it, that became the means of me uh sharing it around so i was able to then go pass it along to like different uh like family members i was able to show them episodes i remember showing episodes of my college like freshman roommates and that is so fun now you say that it kind of shaped your life what has it kind of done for you as an adult i mean is it like part of what you do or is it just kind of how you kind of go about your approach to life (laughs) so it it wasn't something that uh, i pursued in any kind of major um career path but uh from like all my hobbies like i said uh college i joined a uh, stand-up club oh cool because i like i always found myself to be gravitate towards those kind of uh, funny comedian type people okay and my own uh, personal writing is always has comic stance to it it basically every creative project i have i it's not fun for me unless there it is fun unless yeah. it has that kind of uh energy to it 
And Keenan and Cal, I thought, did a very good job. <laughs> and we talked about this in a recent episode. It makes a formula. It follows that formula, and that works. It's it's like a master class in in writing something simple yet uh, repeatable and and reproducible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, so uh, season what uh, season one? have <laughs> had right. a, a good number of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> 14. Are, are there any episodes from that, that first season that really stand out to you? Like I said, obviously the the, um, the screw and the tuna was funny. <laughs> the Christmas episode was great. You know, I, I, I was born on Christmas. That's why my name's spelled that way. So oh. Christmassy makes me like very sentimental. <laughs> I love the Christmas episode. We also, we both gave the Christmas of 10s out of 10. Because oh, <laughs> it's, it's the, uh, it's an emotional heart of the show. Yeah, and we were talking about that versus a lot of other sitcoms. How like you know sometimes it's all about the laughs. It's a situation. It's, it goes terribly, but that one really you see deep down that Keenan is is portrayed as a wonderful soul, a good person. Yeah, it, it really makes up for a lot of some the kind of the bad situation he he gets into. It it does. It's fun, and the one I that's kind of funny is the one where they. Um, the whole president, and I'm saying that with air quotes in my, <laughs> right. you, know, you can't see them, I'm doing them. The presidential <laughs> one was really something, just even the sets. I just thought that was kind of cool that we did that. So you guys made that the, the Oval Office? Yeah, yeah. I was, we were speculating, we're like, this had to be from some other from up some of the yeah, show. Was like, this is a... was like amazing. I was like, that is so cool. So I always think that is like really cool that we pulled that off. Yeah, no, it, it was really accurate to like what it looked like at that time. And even today, like it's, <laughs> yeah, we were blown away because it was like, this is, this is one episode that we're yeah. seeing this in. Yeah. <laughs> And that's why it would take a week because it, it, it took a long time. Yeah, so. and, and uh, the the yeah. eternal sets were also were, were were really great. Something about how humble it is that we're following the, a show about a kid that works in a grocery store. Yeah, a bodega. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just a little bodega, and that's yes, it. I would say a bodega. Yes, it was not for grocery store. Oh, <laughs> is that true? Yeah. I, yes. <laughs> well, we've, I've got some editing to do on some past episodes. Oh yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, it is, and but it, very relatable. I thought. Oh yeah, because everyone everyone has that first job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whether it's in toy design or. <laughs> My first job was not in toy design. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at a record store, so I, I was like, oh, okay. Else the first job. <laughs> that's that's fun. No, I I worked at a uh, costume store. Oh, fun! All yeah, right. which was unique. I bet. <laughs> Now, uh, to, to throw back even before that, those first jobs, like, do you remember back being back, uh, like, the age that Keenan and Kel are portraying? Did, did you ever see yourself as more of a Keenan or a Kel? Oh, my God, that's funny. <laughs> Keenan, easily. Keenan. Yeah, I would be the plotter. I would never be that outgoing as Kel, never. I'd, ha I'd have, no, no way, Keenan for sure. Yeah, but that, that is definitely something to strive for. Yeah. That kind of energy. <laughs> I could never pull that off. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how he did it because we 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 watch episodes and we're just, we get, we're like I'm so tired just well, watching Cal bounce around this room. <laughs> well, again, it was and again, obviously, all that is where it started. You can't say the show is where it started. You know that that great kind of and you talked about that throwback to the old comic kind of styles of the great comic teams. I mean, that's what they were. Mm -hmm. They are, you know, they're, <laughs> you know, they're still great. 
together and um they're they're amazingly talented men and uh yeah they were just an amazing comic duo in fact i think kel won i mean they no longer <laughs> exist a cable ace award yeah for right the, for that performance and i mean he beat serious people <laughs> back then i'd have to look it up online but he like seriously beat some serious people for the the uh, best, uh, I think it was a supporting actor, but I was like impressed. So, yeah, that speaks to how amazing, I mean, they really, I'm, again, both of them were just so talented. <laughs> it was an award-winning performance. <laughs> it was indeed. Uh, I'm curious, you know, 25 years on now, it's, I'm sure it's a lot of a blur, but did you recall any evolution of the of the duo throughout the series, or were they always kind of 100% on? Did everyone seem to get more and more comfortable with the show as the season progressed? They were already, they knew how to work with each other. They knew their strengths and weaknesses with each other. They knew what 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 was the funny bits and, you know, how to play it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I might have seen more of it on all that because <laughs> they were they were already seasoned when they got to, to, to doing their own show. Yeah, they worked um, at all the kinks by that point. It's hard to say at their age that they were seasoned. They <laughs> yeah, what, they were there. 18 or, or so? Yeah, I don't even think they were that. But yeah, <laughs> so it was quite remarkable. And, and I really can't say this enough how they were just so focused and... Um, professional about what they had to do, but they were still kids. I love that they were never, they never felt like old, too old. They were still kids and they were really just out there, you know, doing what they enjoyed doing. And you can see the difference. And I mean, they, they were, just, they were great. They really were. Uh, how about the, uh, the other members of the cast? <laughs> the, your, what, what we have, like Ken Forey? We have, yeah, uh... everybody was great. Like I said, I was, we were lucky to have such a, a good group of people. People that had somewhat worked together a bit or had seen each other around. Again, that whole Nick Studios Florida family feeling really had so much to do, not just with the talent, but with everybody. So it just always felt very easy because they knew all the a lot of the crew because a lot of the crew worked on all the other shows. So everything just always felt so easy and comfortable, even, you know, like I said, from talent to crew, feeling good about doing everything because yeah. it was so small. So it just, yeah, it was... It really, I can't say enough good things about how easy it was and very comfortable it was. It wasn't, I, again, I'm sure it's very different for people that had the same kind of production experience in places like LA. Again, because it was so big and you were always working with different types of people and different things, but you were always kind of with your same crew where we were. So I think that's what made it different. I feel very, very, very lucky that I got to it was my first chance to be a producer, <laughs> just the one season, and I, I only did the one season. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was going to ask about that. Did you did you follow the show uh, post no, first season? No, no? I uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually did that on purpose. Oh, kind of like it was kind of like, like after being the toy designer and you know going from associate designer to running a whole department. It was kind of like, now what do I want to do? I um, quit after the first season because I wanted to, I just like that when I think I told you my logic of, I like TV, how do I get people to 
pay me to to watch TV. But I, you know, I did that for, I think I was there for like six or seven years, pretty much straight. I love, I'm a racing fanatic. I love racing and I love IndyCar racing. And at the time I was just like, now how do I get somebody to pay me to go to IndyCar races? And I quit Nickelodeon because I really didn't had nothing left to prove. I had gone from an audience PA to a producer. And I did, I did a lot of other things in Orlando at the time too. So I don't want to, everything was not just at, at yeah, Nickelodeon, you, you... but most of it was. Um, I did like like commercials and things like that. Yeah, I quit and tried. I said, I'm going to go try and do racing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and I I literally left and took myself to a racetrack uh, and started to try to meet the people behind the scenes and started working for championship auto racing teams that next season and was an associate producer and the... Uh, and an AD on live ESPN ABC for CART and IndyCar racing the next season. What? Yeah, I literally, I did it. I was like, wait a second. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. I did it. I, Mary, I love, I love, I love it. And I love your, like your attitude of that's interesting to me. I'm going to pursue it and I'm going to like do it. And, oh, yeah, might as well work for a championship, uh, you know, like some people well, who can I really like, win. I like stuff, but somebody's got to pay me to do stuff. I'm not going <laughs> right. to show up. Um, but, yeah, I quit, and I literally just went to a racetrack, and I kept going, hi, I would love to work for you guys. Can I just try? I just want to do this. And I ended up meeting a, a, one of the guys. I can't remember his name. One of the guys there, and I was like, I just want to work with you guys. And luckily, Championship Auto Racing Teams was based in Troy, Michigan. And I lived in Detroit. Came, I moved back home to Detroit. And I worked for them. Did Started doing like features and little things behind the scenes for some of the teams. And because I would do all these little features, they hired me to do like these little packages for them from racing. And I met the team, the people that worked on the actual broadcast. And I ended up doing... Um, AD and live broadcast racing. I have no idea what happened, but I did it. <laughs> that, I, paid, I, I got it. paid to, to follow the circuit in 1997 um, for for kart racing. Yeah, championship auto racing team. So I worked for ABC ESPN. The year <laughs> the year before that, I was working for kart directly and doing things like for the Motorola racing team and stuff. And we do inside car. It was always like with the drivers. So I got to hang out with the drivers and do little packages on their lives. Yeah. I was going to say that, that that's crazy that you worked with Mark <laughs> Summers. Then like a couple years later, just writes the cart racers <laughs> themselves. I'm, just like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a racing fanatic though. That's why I still, you know, I'm still a racing fanatic. I watch F1 and, car, and IndyCar now all the time. Yeah. So I just Mary, I love. I have said I love it multiple times, but it's true. I really do. Um, and the reason I love it so much is because, I, you know, I'm so I'm 24, and I have a lot of things I'm interested in, and I'm worried about you know pursuing them because I don't know if I'm going to get paid. But so part of me is also like, it, it, you never know, right? If you put if you throw yourself at something like you know say uh, Nickelodeon in the 90s or IndyCar racing, like it might just happen. So what would you, this is a selfish question. What would you, what kind of advice would you give to people who are passionate about things that don't make a lot of uh, economic or financial sense? Just do it. Don't, 
that that has nothing to do it will come if it's supposed to be there it will come don't ever just say i can't just go for it you never know I literally, like I said, I was a toy designer and became an executive. I was like, literally, I'm running, a, running all the design for this little company. And I'm like, yeah, nah, I don't really need to prove anything else. I can go try something else and start at the bottom and be a PA and make literally nothing again. Because I want to try this. You've got to go for it. You have to. I don't care. And you have to. Just go for it. It sounds like you never had any fear from starting from scratch again. I never hesitated. And now, mind you, yes, there have been some lean times. And when I worked at <laughs> Nickelodeon, sure. literally for 10 years, that was all freelance. I didn't, that was not a job. That was freelance. Wow. We were not employees. So I had to go from show to show to show to show. That's why I said it wasn't all Nickelodeon. I did Nickelodeon. I did some commercial work. Um my first job was actually Passenger 50, 57 I worked on was the movie, was the first thing I got when I moved to Orlando. And I was working on that. And I did that movie and I said I would never do a movie again. That taught me. <laughs> well, that's not fair. It's a Wesley Snipes movie. So. Oh, yeah it, was a, yeah, it was great. But then I also knew that wasn't the pace I liked. Mm. And I realized, because I remember one day, I think we were there till like 12 or 1 in the morning. I said, oh, and they're like, yeah, we shot half a page because it was like an action sequence. Wow. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> was, was like, you know, no. I'm like, we got to get, I got to move. And I realized I liked TV because TV was such a, a fast pace. But I was lucky that I got to at least try it. But yeah, you you have to try. I mean, if I if I can give you any advice, if you love something, you just never know. Follow your follow your passion always, 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 always. Well, thank you because you hear that, and then you know the people who say it a lot of times are people who like, I don't know, but like hearing it from somebody who actually did it and like <laughs> you followed what you liked, and now. And, and you can tell, you could talk about it and you, and the way you talk about it is with such energy and enthusiasm and like, you're really excited about all these things you got to do. So thank you for that. I always need, I always need some, some encouragement if and you some, ever uh, need to just call me anytime if you need to, or, oh my or gosh. On Twitter, just let me know if you need me to chat, but yeah, I, I, I will always say that just, yeah, don't. Life, well, with everything going on lately too, you talk about life too short. But even then, it's just why not? What what mm -hmm. would keep you from not doing it? You know, in a way, it's like that. I know it's great to make a lot of money, and and I went back to toy design, believe it or not. So I mean, I I did TV and all that, and I actually ended up. The last thing I did was, um, when reality TV was just starting, and we were doing this prank show. And, and I'll tell you another bizarre anecdote. You don't have to use this because it'll make no sense for the show. But oh no, it's all good. No, <laughs> we I had to do scheduling, and we were doing this uh, prank show. It was reality, and the host of the show is like, "We got to reschedule. I've got to go do an audition for this music show for Fox." I don't know what it'll be, you know, so I just got to reschedule our shooting days. So we did it. And I was like, oh, great. Oh, okay, perfect. So obviously, yeah, uh, it was Ryan Seacrest. So he got the gig. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> he got the gig, obviously. He's still doing it. Um, 
but it was reality TV and I realized I hated it. It was not the Nickelodeon things I did. And I realized nothing would ever be like Nickelodeon again. Yeah. Seriously. I, and I hated what rea- people would do anything to be on TV. And I'm like, this is really bad. I can't <laughs> do this anymore. And I quit doing television production. And a friend of mine called me that I used to be in toy design. I said, I need your help on something. And I got back into toy designs because I was just like, yeah, still, it was fun. I got to, you know, do what I still love to do. I, I lived in Hong Kong for a while. I mean, it was like, why not? What the hell? Yeah, <laughs> sounds like opportunity knocks. Hell yeah. You never know. It's like, go for it. So yeah. So you just, you never, ever, ever know. And now I'm actually, I freelance with my camera guy from racing who now owns a production company here in Detroit. And every once in a while, he's like, oh, I need, can you come help me out with something? So I get to <laughs> hang out with him sometimes. We do things like the Dodge Ram truck intro we had to, to do. And everything. It was like so fun. It was like, this is awesome. So it's like so fun. So I'm like, why not? It you seems like you, you've gotten a lot of connections and people that kind of like have stayed in your life a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. That speaks to the quality of your person too. Exactly. That's what well, I was going to no, say. No, I'm yeah. not that exciting. Don't get excited. guys. <laughs> no, the, um, but I, I will say yes. And obviously, yeah. And I've had a lot of different jobs and I've been lucky enough to meet some great people. I will say again, when I talk about that Nickelodeon family, I mean it. I truly have people that I consider family from that time of working. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it really, it's, and even seeing the guys again, I actually got to see the guys again when they did the Double Dare episode special with Mark. And I was moving to Detroit, back to Detroit the next day. And I stayed one more day because I wanted to see them before I, mm. before I drove back to Detroit. I said, oh, I haven't seen the guys since they were kids. And oh, I, right. I didn't think they would know me. And I, I literally walked up behind, I was like, Keenan. <laughs> I was like, I didn't, you know, it was just so good to see them. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's yeah. amazing. It does make a difference when you're, uh, but it was that it was, it was Nickelodeon Studios 4 that, that made that different. Yeah. It, it, I don't think it could be the same as some of the other studios. I can't speak to that, obviously, but I can't right. imagine it was the same at other places that were so big. So it was it was lucky. I was lucky. Well, thank you so much for your amazing stories of of the of this time. <laughs> it was my pleasure. Adam, did you ask about the Christmas episode? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she brought it up. She loves it. So. Oh, okay, great. Sorry, yeah. I missed it. Yeah. Um, well, I said because I'm born on Christmas. That's why my name's spelled uh, place, so I obviously yeah. love Christmas. <laughs> we had a very specific question about that and timing of the episodes about how it looked like they were so much older when that episode went up. We, we thought it was like, this had to be the last one produced. Oh, I don't remember what order we did stuff. So, yeah, I, I not, not no shame on that. 25 years is a long time. Yeah, I, I honestly don't remember when we, yeah, when we did that. Yeah, I don't know that we necessarily even did them in... in in order of airing either like that i i cannot even possibly one more bizarre story yes, oh, yes. please please send us off yeah <laughs> i'll send you off with one more bizarre coincidence so obviously we had an amazing group of directors of which one was kim fields yes too. oh yeah we love kim fields and that to me was like a dream come true obviously for me too because like you know meeting her was like oh my god 
And she's amazing, obviously a very talented woman as well, still, and I'm very <laughs> fortunate to have met her. And, you know, certainly friendly and friends, and I laugh. And I was her dial-a-friend on, who wants to, um, what was the name of that show? Who Wants to Be Millionaire? Is that is that what it was where you had the trivia questions? Yeah, that's it. The, the uh, uh, phone a friend or lifeline. Phone a friend. I was her phone a friend, and I blew it. Oh, I, no. I didn't know what karaoke was. Empty hand. Yeah, I didn't know it. It was either empty orchestra or empty hands, and we didn't have Google back then. So. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but yeah. But she's she's awesome. But yeah, that was fun. I got to be her dial friend and I blew it. She never forgave me. No. <laughs> I, I'm glad her career. I'm glad her career in life went well after not becoming a millionaire. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, well obviously she was playing for um, charity. But, yeah, of yeah. course. But yes, I was. Yeah. So karaoke and I, I, I blew it. <laughs> empty orchestra versus empty hands and i didn't know the difference sorry <laughs> well make sure you forgive yourself because it sounds like you're holding I, on I'm to a little let go of that man <laughs> i let her down still i feel still awful about oh no oh no that's our young person <laughs> advice thank you I th- i'll try and learn to to forgive thank you forgive myself <laughs> Well, Mary, you definitely did not let us down. This was Aww. such a wonderful conversation. Thank and you. Um, Adam might have some some finishing questions or words, but I just want to say thank you for always following your passions. I feel like I learned a lot in just this little interview with uh, about Keenan and Kel, our favorite <laughs> 90s Nickelodeon sitcom. Um, but thank you for, for taking the time and, and chatting with us about you know some of our favorite memories too. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, it's been an absolute blast. Uh, I know your your career is it, like you know has gone in many different directions. Is there anything you're currently uh, plugging or want to get out there? <laughs> I I own a wedding dress company now. I know. Oh yes, I used to I used to draw wedding dresses and cars as a little girl because I wanted to be a car designer, and I don't know why I drew cars and wedding dresses, and I always wanted to be a wedding dress designer, and now I have my own business. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Don't ask. No. What, what's it called for the people the oh, people listening not, at home? Sure, it's called Dolly Couture Bridal. Yeah, that'll be the show notes for anyone interested. <laughs> that's it. So yes, follow what you love. If, if that's it, no matter what it is. So. Oh, well, Mary, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, th- thank you, everyone, for listening to this, this wonderful interview. And join us next time when we take off a season four of our show. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Now, next time we won't have Mary on the podcast, but you'll still have me and Adam. So until then, Fantas, aww, here it goes. Thank you for listening. You can send us an email at keenancalpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash keenancalpodcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all at keenancalpodcast. 